This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. So I'll be honest with you, my head is actually reeling right now, and I'm a little bit hot under the collar about this. So I haven't yet formulated a very clear opinion, and that's why I'm asking you to participate. And just, just I'd love to hear what you think, because uh, I know what I think. My knee-jerk reaction about what I'm about to share with you came today. Well, I started the day thinking that it's just two days away from the holiday of Shavuot, Shavuot, and I thought that that's what we would talk about and about the Torah and the contribution of Torah to society. But then I came across an article today that uh, literally just flashed across my Twitter feed, and I read this article. It's a blog, and I, I, I just I, I'm, I'm completely blown away that people think this way. So I'm throwing it out there, and I'd love to hear people's honest opinions. Help me. I'm trying to formulate an opinion on this. And the way that you do this, well, as everybody knows, you can WhatsApp your views on 0618951019. You can SMS 34519. You can call 0101403020. I suspect that some people will be just as riled up about this as I am. So here's the story. Come across an article. And as I say, I haven't yet formulated a response, to be perfectly honest. It's fresh. just happened. I read it literally walking into studio. And it's it's one of those things that I think we need to talk about. We need to talk about it because maybe it represents prevalent thinking, and I definitely don't believe that it represents Jewish thinking. So here's a person who posted a blog on the Times of Israel, and the title, I'll read you the title, actually, and the blurb, and that should get us thinking and talking. So the title goes like this, Having children isn't considered a crime yet, unfortunately. Okay, I mean, that's enough. Just before I even read the article, just seeing something like that. Seeing a headline like that, can you imagine somebody writes an article, and the headline of the article is, Having children isn't considered a crime yet, unfortunately. I mean, I had to read it. I had to read it, and that's actually what I was doing, as I say, walking to the studio. And, and I'm, I'm literally reading just before, and I'll share with you some of the things that the person, that the author says in this article, in this blog post. Uh, but just hearing that headline, well, what do you think? What do you, you hear that headline and somebody's suggesting that having children should, should be considered a crime. What is your knee jerk reaction? Uh, I need to hear what you think. 34519, WhatsApp number 0618951019. You can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. So, you know, there's a Yiddish expression. It's called koching. Have you ever heard this expression? Koching. It doesn't have a good English translation. I mean, the direct translation in English would be cooking. The person tells you, I'm cooking over an issue. It doesn't necessarily convey the extent of how much it has bothered them. Well, I'm koching, to be perfectly honest. This thing has, it, it's really, really riled me up. And I, I think it's a, a conversation that affects every single one of us. Every single one of us. Because like it or not, by virtue of the fact that you live here, the parenting conversation talks to you. And if you, if there was no parenting in your life, you wouldn't be here. So this is something I think that talks to the core of all of our lives. And I think Judaism has a very, very strong view on this. Here's somebody who's, and not only that, not only do they write a blog post, it's a featured post. That means that the editorial board clearly thinks that this is a good idea to, and sometimes I wonder if people are just trying to get clickbait and if they really care about the content of what's included. Anyway, so the article is titled, Having Children is Not Considered a Crime Yet, Unfortunately. So I'd love to know what you think about the suggestion that having children should be considered a crime. Why? Why on earth would you think that? 
Why would a person, I mean, what a sad state of mind if a person believes that it's a crime to have, a crime, a crime to have children. I understand people want to say that there's financial considerations and, and it, there's the emotional state of the parents that maybe it's too much. I get that, all of that, but I don't call it a crime. And here's the blurb, the summary of what the article is about. And I have read the article subsequently, uh, I mean, before I came on, to, on air. But here's the blurb, the, the summary of the article says, let's face it. Procreation is one big Ponzi scheme that serves parents and drags kids into this world without their consent. Now, that, like I say, that completely throws me. I understand that there are people, often we have this conversation, people come to us as rabbis and say, listen, how do you condone bringing children into this terrible world of ours? That's an oft-used conversation or argument. Look around, look what's happening. There's so much corruption. There's uh, depleted resources. There's global warming. How do you take responsibility to bring a child into that world? Get it. I understand the sentiment and we can talk. But here somebody says that having children is a Ponzi scheme that serves parents. <laughs> what? what? What does that mean? What does it mean a Ponzi scheme? Later on in the article, he says, well, basically young people have to fund those financial institutions that look after old people, right? So you've got the reason to bring children into this world is that you've got somebody to pay for your retirement, basically. That's that's the argument. That's the Ponzi scheme argument. I'm like, I'm shocked about this. How does a Jewish person end up having that kind of an attitude, such a terribly negative attitude towards having children? I don't know. Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe there's somebody who could explain this to me. Why it is that a person would suggest that having children is a crime or should be considered a crime? I mean, I, I just don't get it. And and then there's this this notion of dragging children into this world against their will. Yes, d just remember that we're now living, and that's what baffles my mind. Uh, you'll excuse the sentiment, but I am coughing. It baffles my mind. Here we live in a world where, you know, everybody can say as they please, and every kind of view has to be accepted to some or a, a, another extent. So here you've got somebody saying, how dare you drag children into this world against their will, right? And, and this is the same world that says that people who land up with unwanted pregnancies should terminate the pregnancy. It, it's like... I don't know, something's missing over here. Something's missing in terms of a moral compass and in terms of the value of life. And, and, and did God make one mega mistake when he created a world where people procreate? And not only that, but it's the first instruction that was ever given by God to humans. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the author of this particular blog doesn't uh, take the Torah seriously. I get that. So, so fair enough. But it's just some kind of a cruel joke if you expect that we were just designed in such a way that there would be a, an urge and a drive within the human being to want to procreate and to want to have children. And, and that's all terrible and it's horrible and it's negative and it's painted in such a terrible light. I mean, I, I just don't get it. And yet he goes on for the So I want to read one or two quotes from this particular blog because I think it will just, you know, explain the headspace. So this is how, this is how he starts. Uh, well, not right at the beginning. He's, uh, I'm trying to find it. I, I did read it earlier. Uh, he talks about his particular circumstances that he had children because his parents wanted grandchildren. So that's the reason he had children. Okay, listen, I mean, I suppose every person is responsible for their own decision making. And I don't think it's fair to blame the fact that parents put pressure on him to have children. It's, it, you're a grown adult. You're old enough to, to get married, settle down, have a life. Don't blame your parents for the fact that you had children. 
Although I suppose people will tell you that there's a tremendous amount of guilt associated with it and how dare you not have children. I do understand that that is something that's part of our society. That doesn't turn it into a crime. Um, so he says, uh, he talks, okay, I'm trying to find a quote. He brought a quote over here where he says, uh, okay, it's a long article, but basically he says that people have children because they need to fill a personal need. There's some void in their life, and that's the reason that they have children, to fill that void. So maybe, maybe that is how some people feel, that there's something lacking, and maybe if they have children it will satisfy that lack. Sometimes, and it's quite uh, it's quite dangerous and quite sad when it happens, sometimes you have a marriage that is in trouble and the couple believes that if they have a child, that will solve their, their troubles and will bring the marriage back together. And that's certainly not guaranteed and very often not the case. And then you land up kind of having buried yourself a little bit deeper. But to suggest that people have children just simply because they feel that there's some kind of lack in their life and then it's the selfish need to fill that lack with a child, well, that might be the case. I would actually go so far as to say that that might well be the case. It could be that, that people actually do have that attitude. I need to have a child because I need, I need the nachas. I need to be able to have somebody who will fill my life, make, make me feel complete. Uh, maybe it's keeping up with the Joneses or whatever the motivation is. It's not a healthy motivation. That's not the reason why a person should have a child. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it certainly is not the way that it's endorsed from a Torah, from a Jewish perspective. Have a child because you need to fill the space in your heart. It's not the reason. It's not the reason we do it. In fact, I had an interesting conversation yesterday with a group of people, and the conversation somehow got onto this topic about why there is a mitzvah, why there's an instruction to have children. And specifically, the question was actually, why is the instruction to men when the Torah says that you should be fruitful and multiply, that is an instruction that is understood in the Torah to be an instruction to a man. And the question was, why? Why is it an instruction? And why is it not an instruction to a woman? We had a conversation yesterday, and in the course of the conversation, people felt quite at home with this response. So I was saying, you have to realize that men relate to instructions. That's, that's how men operate. Tell them what to do, tell them when it needs to be done, tell them how it has to be done, and then they respond. And men also re re respond better to things that are a responsibility than to something which is maybe natural or um, organic. Women, on the other hand, respond much better to things that are organic. So specifically around the, the realm of nurture, and that's a very big role of being a parent, is around the role of nurture, women resonate far more naturally with that position than men do. And I'm not saying that there are no men who are nurturing. I like to think of myself as being nurturing, but... The fact of the matter is that very often you have to tell a man what to do specifically around the mitzvah of procreation. So that kind of belies the fact that people believe, well, maybe you're doing it just to fill a void. If you needed to fill a void, you wouldn't have to be told to do it. The fact that the Torah tells us to do it implies that there's a, a higher aspiration. There's a reason to have a child, not just simply because there's something missing in your life. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think is the healthy or unhealthy motivation that drives people to have children? What, what do you think about the notion that having children might one day be considered a crime, at least according to this particular person, and, uh, and that he thinks that it should be considered a crime? I mean, can you imagine criminalizing having children? I mean, to me, it's like a bizarre concept. What do you think about it? Three, four, five, one, nine. You can WhatsApp us on oh, eight, sorry, oh, six, one, eight, nine, five, one, oh, one, nine. Or tweet at Chai FM. Tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. 
Okay, so uh, to me, I, I don't know, it seems like not everybody is as uh, het up about this as I am, but so here's, here's a, the, the, in the article, I mean, this is, to me, this is absolutely bizarre. So apparently there's a guy recently, somewhere in the world, I don't know where, somewhere in the world, a 20-something-year-old, who took his parents to court and sued them for having given birth to him. Like, who asked me? You didn't give me permission. Uh, you didn't ask my permission to bring me into this world. <laughs> so he sued his parents. I mean, I don't know how that court case ended up. But just the psychology of it to me is 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 bizarre. You know, there's a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, the Ethics of the Fathers, that says, Al Korchach Atanoilad. The fundamental principle of birth is that it happens against your will. It also says, Al Korchach Atochai, that you live against your will. The very fact that you wake up in the morning is not your choice. Yes, you set an alarm. Yes, you intend to wake up in the morning. Fact is, when you're asleep, you don't get to consciously choose to wake up. There are people who go to sleep and they don't wake up in the morning. It happens. It wasn't their choice. There are people who go to work and some tragic thing happens to them and they don't come back. It's not their choice. And I suppose on the other extreme, you do get the person who wants to terminate their life and it doesn't land up successful. It's also not their choice. So this principle of saying, well, the child should have the choice of whether to be born or not. I mean, it's, it's, it's facile. It's ridiculous. Obviously, that's not a, a, an option. What are you supposed to do? Set up some kind of a, 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 I don't know, a seance and speak to the soul of this future child and say, would you like to be born or not? I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's all a little bit ridiculous. But the point of the matter over here is, This attitude, this attitude, and people will often say overpopulation and the world doesn't have the resources to accommodate the amount of people that are being born. And we can argue that because there are statistics that indicate declining birth rates in many societies. And yes, at the moment, the numbers are increasing, but there are those who say that the numbers will start to decline, that the, the, the world birth rate will start to decline. There is such an argument. So... And, and even so, even if you want to say that there are limited resources and we're overpopulating the planet, does that make it a crime to have a child? I suppose there was a time in China, right, where there was the one child per family policy, and it was in fact a crime to have a child. So, wow, it's quite a scary thought when you actually think about it. What is the Jewish perspective? Well, we know, of course, that the Jewish perspective is that it's not considered a crime to, to, to have a child. In fact, on the contrary, it is considered a mitzvah. It's considered the very first mitzvah that was given to human beings, the very first instruction that humans ever got. And every word in that is actually very specific, that not only should you be fruitful and multiply, but you should... Fill the world and conquer the world. So it, it, it's really interesting because sometimes, you know, people think conquering the world is like a bad thing. It's like we're destroying the world. It seems that that was God's plan is that we should conquer the world. It doesn't mean that we have the right to destroy it. Not at all. We have to do so in a responsible fashion. The way that we conquer the world would be to improve the world and to elevate the world and to make the world a positive place. So that's for sure. That's, that's obviously the case. But it is interesting that the framing of the Torah is Dafka, populate the world, mil'uha, fill the world. That's actually what God's plan was. And here we have people who are saying, whoa, whoa, hang on a second, we're filling the world. <laughs> Bad thing. No, 
Not necessarily a bad thing. That could very well be exactly what God had in mind. I mean, look in the Torah. That's what it says. Fill the world. And I don't want to get into the whole debate of whether we do or do not have enough resources because there are arguments both directions. What's really interesting is that uh, if you think about it, how much of the space on the planet do we use effectively? How many of the resources on the planet are we learning how to produce in a more productive, efficient kind of a way? So the resource argument is in flux. The world is changing. And yes, we're doing all kinds of damage to the world. At the same time, we're also doing all kinds of positive to the world. I mean, just a, just a thought. Uh, you know, as as Jewish people, you know, we know. You probably know people personally that they were survivors of the Holocaust who had seen their whole family destroyed in front of their eyes. And they went ahead and got married and ended up having, having children, often still in the DP camps. And we know people who were born in DP camps. I mean, I know members of my wife's family. Um, and, and in fact, I know other people as well who live here in this country. And what does that tell you about the attitude, Judaism's attitude? I mean, if anybody would turn, should have turned around and said, wow, I won't bring children into such a cruel world, you would have expected that it would be Holocaust survivors. That's what you would have expected because they had seen firsthand how cruel this world could be. And they took the exact, well, many of them at least, took the exact opposite approach and said, we need to now populate this world. Much like Noah did, right? After he came out of the out of the devastating flood where he had survived, straight away he got down to the business of rebuilding the world. Rebuilding the world. After Adam and Eve lost one child to the murder of the other child, right? Cain killed Abel. After that, they went ahead. And yes, there was a delay. They had to kind of get back into a position where they were ready to do so. But they brought a third child into this world. Seth, who most of us actually trace our lineage back to. I mean, <laughs> it's quite a thing, actually, when you come to think about it. So the suggestion that it should be considered a crime to have children, to, to me, it's so jarring to the Jewish sensibility. Like the very first thing that the Torah says is have children. But here's another perspective, and I think maybe this is an important perspective for us to think about. As I mentioned, we're two days away from the holiday of Shavuot, Shavuot. That's the holiday of the giving of the Torah, and it's basically the anniversary of when the Jewish people became the Jewish people. That's what it is. And it's a huge celebration for us. It's an incredibly important time. And on that note, just a little quick commercial break. You really should make an effort to get to Shul on Sunday morning to hear the reading of the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's the reenactment of ancient history and of the moment that we became a nation. So when you read the story and the way it's related in the Talmud, you have this scenario. You've got God who has this magnificent gift to give to the world called the Torah. And the nature of this gift is that it's divine wisdom packaged, presented in book form. And the nature of this wisdom is that it gives you a portal of connection directly to God. So it's very, very, it's a tremendous gift that he wanted to give us. And the Talmud says that God spoke to the Jewish people. And he says, what, what kind of a guarantee are you going to give me? How do I know? that this Torah of mine is actually worth sharing with, with humans. I mean, we know how humans are. You give, them, give us anything and we have a way to corrupt it. So how do I know that the, the Torah is good to give to humans? And the Talmud relates that they tried all kinds of things. They said, well, what about the rabbis? You know, Maybe you can rely on the rabbis. They'll safeguard the integrity and the future of Torah. And God said, no. Not good enough. So they say, well, what about the, the elders, the elders of the community? Perhaps they'll be the people who'll be able to safeguard Torah. And God said no. And they tried various options. 
the men, the women. Eventually, they came to, what about the children? Let's put our children down. Benenu Arevim Ba'adenu. Our children will be our guarantors. They'll be the representatives. They're the ones on whose back you can rely to give us the Torah. And God says, fine, you've got a deal. You've got a deal. Now, that tells you a lot. It tells you a lot about the positioning of Judaism and children. Because the whole basis of our nation, the whole basis of the fact that we received the Torah was all on the fact that we committed to having children and to perpetuating that value system. So to me, the suggestion that having children should be a crime is antithetical to everything Jewish. I'd love to hear your thoughts. 34519, our SMS number. WhatsApp 0618951019. You can call in 0101403020. You can tweet at Chai FM. Tweet Rabbi Shish. See people are mulling this, uh, this one over, uh, which is fair because it's quite a big topic. You could spend 100 rand or more at Pick and Pay Kosher Deli or the Kosher Bakery and you will stand a chance to win. The first prize is a 1,000 rand Pick and Pay gift card. The second prize is a 500 rand Pick and Pay gift card. All you have to do is write your name and contact details on the back of your slip and then drop your slip in the box at the information center. The draw will take place today, Thursday, the 6th of June. So you can still get to Pick and Pay to try that one out. And in these challenging times, many people are under pressure, and for some, it can become too much. So who does one turn to? Chayafun will be starting a helpline later this year, and we are looking for compassionate, caring volunteers to train as call center counselors. If you have a background or an interest in counseling and you want to find out more, email helpline at chayfm.com. Chayafem, 101.9 megahertz of serving the community. Halfway through the hour of fresh thinking, if you have just joined you with Rabbi Shishler, we're talking today about something which I think is, wow, like really, really got to me. So there's this article I came across that somebody actually sent to me where a fellow writes that he believes that it's unfortunate that having children is not yet considered a crime, and he kind of hopes that it will be. He ends off, and it's a horrible thing, he ends off saying that if he could locate the grave of the fertility expert who helped his mother post-Holocaust to have him, he would go every year to that grave and spit on the grave. Wow. I think it's terrible. I really, I think it's terrible. Terrible to live like that, to, to feel like it's a horrible thing that I'm, that I'm alive. Wow. Love to hear your thoughts. 34519. If you want to SMS in, you can WhatsApp 0618951019. You can call 0101403020. You can tweet at Chaifem at Rabbi Shish. You know, as Jewish people, and you'll see this manifest in many, many places in Judaism, the greatest gift that exists is the gift of life. We know that you can put all kinds of Torah responsibilities on hold just simply to preserve life. We know that we celebrate, we joke about it, and we don't joke about it, it's part of the, it's one of the stings for the station, right? Chai FM is all about life. Chai. It's the most, one of the most ubiquitous symbols of Judaism is Chai, which of course represents life. People give charity in the, in, in, in uh, amounts in, in multiples of Chai because of life. 
something you talk about and hear about all the time in Judaism. If you can give the gift of life, you can have the, have the gift of, of bringing somebody into this world as far as Judaism is concerned. It's the most incredible thing. And yes, sometimes it comes with major challenges, major challenges. Sometimes the person you bring into this world doesn't live in the way that you would have wanted. Sometimes they have certain obstacles or, or, or disabilities that you would never have wished for. Sometimes they may even turn around to you and say, why did you do this to me? Why did you bring me into this world? And those are tough things that have to be confronted on a personal an individual scale as they happen but fundamentally to bring somebody into this world is one of the most incredible things that you could ever do it's what we call kindness of the highest measure and i'll tell you why see what happens a lot especially in today's secular society where we believe that we should live with a certain level of comfort and a certain level of safety you know it didn't used to be that way. People didn't used to necessarily think that way i love it when people say i don't want to bring my child into this cruel world in this particular article, the fellow says, maybe in an earlier time when life was simpler. When was this earlier time? Let's work that out. Was the earlier time World War II? Was the earlier time where people died of a simple cold? Was the earlier time when life was simpler during the pogroms in Russia? Was the earlier time when life was simpler in the time that the Black Death killed off half of Europe? When was this earlier time where life was simpler? It was better to bring your children in. Where life expectancy was 32 years old. Is that when you wanted to bring your children? I don't, I don't understand it. People say, I don't want to bring my child into this cruel world. What, this cruel world where we have homes with, uh, I don't know, three, four, five bedrooms, running water, insulation, heat and cold, electricity, hopefully, in Joburg, it's not something you take for granted, where where you have access to proper education and you have a, a pretty good chance of getting a job if you're just willing to work, you know, which this is the world you don't want to bring your children into, the world where people have democratic rights in most countries, where you can practice freely as a Jewish person, there's no intimidation or or, or anti, well, I mean, there's anti-Semitism, but it's not institutionalized anti-Semitism. This is the world I don't want to bring my children into, right? I'd rather have brought my child into the, into the world where they would have subsisted on bread and water and the occasional vegetable. If you were really lucky, you had a chicken for Yomtev. That's the world I would have brought because life was simpler then. It's, it's so bizarre. But from a Jewish point of view, that's not even the factor. You don't measure the value of a life based on how many creature comforts you have. God forbid. Can you imagine somebody turn around and say, that's it. The Wi-Fi has gone down. Life is not worth living. And yes, I know there are some people that may even say something like that but that's ridiculous the the value of bringing people into this into this world as far as judaism is concerned i mean the truth is that the reason you bring people into this world is because that is your opportunity to achieve can't achieve if you're not in this world can't so there's souls floating up there in heaven and it's a fantastic environment and it's beautiful and it's spiritual and there's divine light and exposure to godliness and all the wonderful things that when you live in this world you wish you had. But there's something you don't have in that world. You don't have the capacity for achievement. You don't. Souls floating along in some kind of pre-calibrated massive um, escalator system isn't fulfilling it's inspiring, but it's not fulfilling. But that's not even the point. That's really not even the point. And, and maybe this is where we have to part ways with the thinking that it's a negative thing to bring somebody into this world. I mean, I think Judaism parts ways with that way of thinking at the first letter of the first word of the conversation. But, but here's the thing. You see, there are multiple layers of experience of life that a person can have. 
And not all of those layers are necessarily things that you are consciously aware of. Certainly not in a society that makes everything about what you can touch and feel and experience and mostly about what makes you feel good. When you live in a world that is so fixated on feel good, that becomes a place where you have the greatest chance of missing what is good. Feel good is dangerous territory. Dangerous territory. You know, when you, you look around and you see people doing all kinds of things that are totally destructive to their lives, and you wonder, well, why, why? Because in the moment it feels good. Addiction feels good in the rush, in the moment. The hangover doesn't feel good. The space in between those highs doesn't feel good. But the reason people perpetuate that kind of negative behavior is because at the time it feels good. And even if that feeling good is just that I don't have to feel the pain that I feel the rest of the time, it's still considered feeling good. As far as truth goes, you don't measure value in what feels good. You measure value in what is good. So there's no question about it, and it's probably one of the worst things that we have to confront in our lives. Life is full of stuff that doesn't feel good. Full. It's just a question of degree. Some of us are very fortunate, and the stuff that doesn't feel good is that we get stuck in traffic and we have load shedding. And other people, what doesn't feel good is that they have serious medical challenges or they've never had money or they've been mistreated and abused by somebody close to them or they've had loss. That's That really, really doesn't feel good. And this illusion that we have that life is always going to feel good, is it's just not realistic. It's not how life operates. So for us as as Jewish people, it's not about what life feels like. It's about where's the meaning. Is there is the opportunity for meaning in life? And not just opportunity for meaning. Go back to the story of the giving of the Torah. So we're told that the giving of the Torah was contingent on our children. God said there's all kinds of options. Which one do you pick? We tried this and that. Each one God said it's not going to work, not going to work. And eventually we said our children will be the guarantees for the Torah. And God said, fine. So let's think for a moment what the, what the Torah is all about because it will give us a clue into what it means to, to bring children into this world and why it's such a beautiful thing and such a powerful thing and such a, it's such an, an altruistic thing, actually. I know that this article suggests that having children is to fill a void in your own life, which makes it quite selfish. It shouldn't be that way. That, you know what happens then? Then you spend the rest of your life trying to fill that void with things either relating to the child or other things. It's supposed to be an altruistic thing, waking up in the middle of the night because that child cries, having to deal with the issues that that child has to grapple with that you really don't think are important. But to that child, these are make it or break it things. It's a time you've got to be quite selfless, actually, to be a parent. I think it's a terrible mistake for a person to come into the parenting role from a selfish perspective. But more than anything else, as Jews, we link the continuity of generations. We link the having of children with the concept of Torah. And I think it's important for us to take a moment just to talk about what Torah is, because that will also help us to understand what's significant about it. So I personally think the most horrific thing that anybody could say is that to have children should be considered a crime. I'm pretty sure that you agree. Otherwise, you would have said something about it. You still can. 34519 is our SMS line. You can WhatsApp 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So what is it? What What is Torah all about? Because uh, that's what happens. That uh, oh, there we go. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> somebody sent a message. I thought it was on the topic. It's not on the topic. We'll have to leave it for later. Talking today about the suggestion that somebody wrote in a blog on Times of Israel two days ago saying that it should be criminal to have children, should be considered a crime. It's unfortunate that it isn't. And I'm saying, wow, Judaism is the exact opposite of that. Judaism celebrates the birth of a child as one of the greatest things that could ever happen, one of the greatest achievements that a human being can ever make in their life. In fact, to the point, to the point that it's considered almost like a spiritual obstruction if a person has no children. And we're not talking about a person who struggles with fertility. We're talking about a person who makes a conscious decision. So, so I was saying that the giving of the Torah was directly linked to having children. Because we were told, God says, I'll give you the Torah if you can provide me a guarantee. And eventually the only guarantee he would accept was our children. So let's talk for a minute about Torah. You see, what happens is this. I was saying there's a distinction between what feels good, which is what drives a lot of modern society, and what is good, which very often is invisible, at least to most. Many times people believe that the goal of life is personal success. So the goal of life is I should make a lot of money if that's what I determine as success. The goal of life is that I should have a good circle of friends, people who like really I'm close to and I can trust. If that's my value set, then that's considered success, and, and then I'm a successful. For another person, it might be to gain fame. For another person, it might even be to reach a spiritual position. That That's considered success. So you believe that life is all about success, my personal success measured by me. I'll, I'll have a measurement of, of what success is. It's it's not it's it's not the be all and end all. It goes beyond that. See, let's go back. There's these souls floating around in heaven. They are success stories, pretty much. They've never done anything wrong in their life. They've never failed in their lives. They have exposure to the most incredibly beautiful experience of life, spiritual life. But something you and I can't really relate to. We can't define. But for their, for those souls, it's it's incredibly empower, empowering and illuminating. And then God says, well, that's not actually the point. I'd like you to go down to earth. Earth is a crushing place, eh? Earth is none of that divine light that exudes and, and, and expresses itself all over. It's not. Earth is a place where you struggle. Earth is a place where you have to deal with people you don't like. Earth is a place where you have circumstances outside of your control and they're not nice. Earth is a place where there's occasional pain. It's certainly got a lot of disappointment. So what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> and so this is what we're taught. There's a principle in Judaism called Yerida Tzorechalia, that every single time that there's any kind of lowering, falling, failing, it's only to give an opportunity for a greater rebound. So in other words, we don't see failure as failure. We see failure as an opportunity, should you use it correctly, to be able to bounce back stronger, more mature, higher than you were before. So as far as the purpose of life goes, God says, listen, you're a soul, you're at a very lofty place, but it's not as good as it gets. You have the opportunity to be in a place that is exponentially greater. Whatever that Gun Eden pre-birth experience feels like, and, it, and it's, it's a magnificent experience, it's nothing. It's not even a drop in the ocean compared to what could be available, to what you're able to access through achievement but in order to have that achievement well for that you're going to actually have to you know like all achievement you're going to have to work through it they tell a story that there were two souls in Gun Eden the one soul was about to be born so it was in the exit row of Gun Eden 
And the other soul had just completed its life and it was on the return. And the two souls meet. The one on its way down to earth meets the one on its way back from earth. And he says, quickly, I'm, I'm about to be born. Tell me briefly, tell me something about that world. So the soul that's returning says, let me tell you something. For just 5,000 rand, and you need to know the rand is not so strong. For just 5,000 rand, you can buy a pair of tefillin. The new soul goes wild. Tefillin? Tefillin that gives you direct access to God's essence that links your intellectual and emotional state with the essence of all existence that is unavailable here in heaven. That I can get for 5,000 rand? I'm so excited to go down into this world because of the great opportunity. And as this new soul runs off to be born, the old soul shouts after it, I didn't tell you how difficult it is to earn 5,000 rand. Because the reality is that anything of value comes through challenge. The good things in life don't fall into our laps. And if they do, they don't feel good. When everything's handed to a person or a platter, the person lacks appreciation. When you've got a slog, when it wasn't easy, when it's a rags to riches story, when a person had to invest their own effort, wow, forget about what you achieved, but the sense of who you are because you achieved it is the most enriching, empowering feeling ever. You'll know this from your own experience. You'll know. Anytime that you undertook something that was a challenge, it could be exercise. Maybe you... Wanted to run the comrades, which thankfully this year is on Yontav, so you're off the hook. Or you decided you're going to do the, the Argus, or you're going to climb a mountain, or you're going to lose X amount of weight, or you're going to learn a new language, or you're going to start a business. Any person who has ever tried something that was really challenging and they succeeded in doing it will know that it is an unparalleled feeling of joy. And you can't get that same feeling from winning the lottery. As much as we all want to win the lottery, and I'm sure we'd be on a high if we did win the lottery, we wouldn't have that sense of achievement. Wow, you know how hard I worked to win this lottery? So the greatest value is when a person is able to achieve. Now, needless to say, the greater the thing that the person is able to achieve, the better the feeling, the greater the value. So imagine you have the opportunity to achieve the essence, to achieve what life is all about, to achieve connection to the source. The, the God who made this world says, here is the way back to me, because there's so, such a gaping chasm between creator and creation. And bear in mind, creator is not even the depth of God. It's just one of the things he did or does. And here you come down into this world and he says, right, I'm going to give you little things. Each one of them is a wormhole that allows a connection to the essence. It's not available in heaven. Never will be available in heaven. I don't expect you to get 10 out of 10 in life. I don't expect you to be perfect. I don't expect you to have a plain sailing, easy experience. But I just want to give you an opportunity that somewhere inside, whatever it is that life brings to you, you will find these little portals. You will find these little connection points. And they might not feel good at the time. They might not feel good at any point in your life. They might just land up being the things that you do because that's what you do. But let me tell you now, there will be a moment where the lights will turn on and you will suddenly see, oh my gosh, what have I achieved? Look at this. 
Look at this. Any person who's a who, – ask a startup. You don't feel every step along the way, progress, progress, progress. Pro no, you don't. You feel slog and disappointment and rejection along the way. And then at one point, suddenly you cross that threshold, and there's a tipping point, and the lights come on, and it's like, wow. That's why we're here. That's why we're in this world. Not because we're looking for some self-serving wow moment, but because Hashem has given us access to something that is wow beyond all wows. So yeah, it might include a lot of difficulty along the way, but it's worth it. It's the most worth it thing that exists. It's not worth it to leave souls up in heaven just floating around in some kind of a spiritual orbit. It's nice. It's not as painful. It's not worth it. But bringing a soul into this world where it's going to struggle along but achieve, and all it needs to achieve is just one thing, and that will make it worthwhile. Wow. Yeah, that's why the Torah is associated with children, because the whole goal of Torah is connection to the essence, and the whole reason to have children is to allow them that connection. It's the furthest thing from Judaism to suggest that having children should ever be considered a crime. God forbid. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Branding is what people say about you when you aren't in the room. To find out how Hi FM can work for your brand, call us on 010-140-4090. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, um, Leah, I, th I have to thank you all for listening so nicely. Because I do feel better. <laughs> now, walking in over here today, having just seen this article where this person suggests that the worst thing that ever happened to him is that he was born and that if he had to do it all over again, he wouldn't have his children. And the only reason he had his children was because his parents put this tremendous pressure on him. And so blame the parents for wanting to have grandparents, uh, grandchildren. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, okay. This is somebody says, this is clearly someone who can only see negativity in the world, horribly sad. I pray his children have a more positive view of existence despite their upbringing. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I just think that sometimes you've got to have something left field just to remind you, come back, remind us of what our value set is. Our value set in Judaism is the greatest wealth that you can have. Somebody actually asked me this question earlier today. Well, he didn't ask the question. He made the comment that he was, that he was poor. I said, hey. Wealth is not measured only in money. And then that reminded me, and I had a look, a teaching in a book called the Hayoim Yoim, which is a daily inspiration from the Rebbe, uh, where it says, we read this just uh, two months ago, where he says that Jewish wealth is not houses and gold and silver. It is children who uphold our value system. Children have a spiritual connection. This is who we are. This is what we're all about. That's why education is such a premium in Judaism. That's why the Pesach Seder, which talks about when the Jewish people became a nation, is centered on the children. That's why the holiday that we'll celebrate this Sunday, the giving of the Torah, Shavuos, is focused on the children. That's why, by the way, the most important thing that you can do on Sunday is take the children along to shul so that they can be present when the Ten Commandments are read. Because after all, it's thanks to the children that the Torah was given to us in the first place. That's why we do throughout the whole Jewish year lots of things that are children-friendly. Holiday like Purim, Hanukkah, Gelt, <laughs> decorating a sukkah. I mean, think about it. Every time you turn around and there's something Jewish, there is a focus on children. Because as far as we're concerned, this is what it is all about. You have to remember that our forefather Abraham, who withstood the 
biggest tests of faith that anybody had ever been thrown into. At the end of the day, the accolade that the Torah gives him is not that he withstood the ten tests of faith. It's not the fact that he left home to a destination without knowing where he was going or that he was willing to slaughter his child. But rather, the greatness of Abraham was that at the end of the whole story, he was able to transmit to his children the value system that he believed in. This is what Judaism is all about. That's what it's about. Children are our front and center. They are what I suppose you could, you could summarize the whole of Judaism is focused on. So with that in mind, we're going into the holiday of Shavuos. As I mentioned, it's on Sunday and Monday. That means that the holiday starts on Saturday night. There's a custom to stay up through the night on Saturday night and study Torah. So you might want to try your hand at that. The biggie on the holiday of Shavuos, we believe that every festival is a replay of the original. It's not just watching the wedding video. It's actually the replay. And so Sunday morning in Shul, it'll be different times at different Shuls. I know that uh, at the Chabad Shuls it's at 10. You should be there. You should be there to hear the reading of the Torah where we read the Ten Commandments again and we re-experience what it is to hear God speak to us, to put our children front and center as the guarantee of a Jewish future and to know that we're his nation. It's a really special time. It's not an onerous holiday. You're allowed to eat whatever you want. You don't have to eat outside in the rain. And I suppose for many people, the fact that you can eat it all is surprising on a special Jewish day. So embrace it and enjoy it. And please, God, it should be a meaningful festival for us all. As we say in Chabad circles, may we all receive the Torah in a joyous fashion and in a personal way. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a good day.